The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and slash hypergig for details. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax. Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We are joined, as always, with our super producer, Alexis, nicknamed TBD, Jackson. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this stuff they don't want you to know. This is our strange news segment. Uh, which we have done for a couple of weeks right now. In this segment, we each share a story, an article, uh, sometimes a think piece uh, that we feel deserves more discussion, more analysis, or something that we just want to make you aware of. Uh, And astute listeners, you'll note that some of these will end up being episodes all their own in the future. We've got some uh, pretty exciting stuff here, wouldn't you say, guys? Uh, yeah, and we've got a range from some pretty serious theft of money and uh, shenanigans going on there to, uh, you know, outer space. And might I say, just really quickly, if Alexis's nickname continues to be TBD for too much longer, that's just what it's going to be. We had a suggestion, uh, Alexis, what was it? Alexis allegedly Jackson or Alexis 
something something like that. Well, it was oh, double X's good. and double that's S's, double double X's and double S's. Well, it was, but we had a we had a listener say Alexis allegedly Jackson. I kind of like that. That's I like good. that too. I like the alliteration. I'm always a sucker for alliteration, acronyms, initialisms, anything to play with language. And speaking of segues, that takes us to our first story today. Uh, playing with language. If you are a member of Here's Where It Gets Crazy, our Stuff They Don't Want You to Know community on Facebook, or if you're one of the people who follows us on Twitter, then you have seen many of our fellow listeners posting the same headline that recently came out in the New York Times by Ralph Blumenthal and Leslie Keen. Uh, the headline is pretty uh, pretty amazing. It's heavy stuff. It is, quote, no longer in shadows. Pentagon's UFO unit will make some findings public. It's accompanied by a fantastic and uh, at times confounding video compilation of pilots who, you know, are experts in recognizing things in the air, uh, continually being mystified, you know, and sometimes they're, they're just, they're enthusiastic. They don't even sound scared in a couple parts. They're like, wow, look at that. What the hell is happening? I think that's one of the best parts, Ben, just hearing hearing how shocked they are about it. And maybe that's what leads us to feel that there's definitely something strange going on. Yeah. So for my time today, what I wanted to do is uh, give you the broad strokes of this story for anyone who hasn't read it, a little bit of context, and then briefly discuss some of the possibilities here. Because I I personally am convinced that there are some possibilities that are not being as widely acknowledged as they should. So if you listen to our earlier episodes concerning the statements of people like Luis Elizondo, then you know that uh, despite years of denying any official research into UFO or unidentified aerial phenomenon, uh, it turns out that Uncle Sam had been doing it the entire time. Like Project Blue Book, which is one of the most famous efforts to study unidentified flying objects uh, was formally closed, but then other programs continued. And the Pentagon for quite a while uh, ran a covert program that was, I think, maybe $27 million or so. That's a drop in the bucket, Uncle Samwise. But they, they ran this program for a while. It closed down. They admitted that it was happening again. And this time, just uh, this past week, as we record this, the Pentagon announced that they will not discuss a program called the Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon Task Force in very much detail, but they will admit it exists. This is such good legalese. This is the language that's dangerous. The program is not classified, but the stuff it deals with is classified. So they can tell you it exists, but they can't tell you a bunch of stuff about it. Uh, this this story, which is still developing, I think is suspicious for a number of reasons. Uh, you know, everybody knows Senator Mark Rubio, one-time presidential candidate. He is currently the chairman or the acting chairman of the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence, very powerful committee, uh, despite the weird name. And his primary concern in the reporting of these events is that there are confirmed unidentified aircraft over U.S. military bases. And he said, you know, maybe there's a boring explanation for it, or maybe it's uh, something extraterrestrial, something not of this world. Or, and this is the thing he was most concerned about, maybe another foreign power had some sort of technological leap 
that outclassed U.S. abilities in this regard. So this is an ongoing story. You know, it follows that 2017 New York Times announcement. Uh, I have questions for you guys. Uh, My first question is the timing. This, okay, so this comes out when there's widespread domestic unrest. We're leading to an election that's terrifying a lot of people for one reason or another. Uh, There are, of course, new threads in the Epstein story. There are, of course, widespread protests in the U.S. and now aliens. Don't worry about any of that. Look over here at these shiny objects. They're called stars. And amongst them, there could be some, some fuzzy, cuddly alien friends. Wouldn't that be cool, guys? You forgot all about that other stuff. It's, it is pretty puzzling to me just because this is not disclosure. This is admitting uh, the thing that we suspected when we talked about this, you know, in 2017. And before that, when we talked about Project Blue Book, that these programs, if there really is anything to be studied, right? If there are any findings whatsoever of advanced aircraft, no matter the origin, they're not going to stop studying it. But they shutter these programs like Blue Book. Like, uh, what was the previous one, the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program? That's correct. They, the one that they said they shuttered in 2012, and then, oh no, we just opened it under a different name in a different department. It doesn't say aliens, because that's not what they're disclosing, but what they are disclosing is that there is something most assuredly there in the sky that we have no idea what it is, and we cannot prove where it's coming from. Mm-hmm. Well, the focus clearly being on aerial vehicles and much of the conversation centering around, look, what if some rival of ours has somehow, you know, made some advancement um, in technology that we're not aware of and that we wouldn't be prepared for? It's our job to be up on that stuff, right? That's the easiest kind of explanation. They don't have to, you know, say the A word unless that word is aerial, I would just say it's not necessarily vehicles, Noel. It's aerial phenomenon. Yeah, sure. I'm just saying, but that's the term. Like, that's like something that uh, Marco Rubio sang, saying, look, you know, yeah, this is a thing, but it makes perfect sense. There's nothing fishy about it at all. We, we need to be aware if our enemies or our rivals are doing stuff that's like better than what we have the capabilities to do ourselves. Tale as old as time as the same beauty and the beast. Uh, if you think about the technology involved, uh, I think. I believe it is more accurate to go broad and say craft or object because a vehicle, um, a vehicle is a specific kind of object, right? Isn't it? And if you think about it, a lot of the technology in aircraft or in any kind of flying thing that has a person inside of it, a lot of that technology is dedicated to keeping that person alive in an environment human beings are not built for. And imagine how much more amazing stuff you could do if you did not have to worry about getting a meat sack up there safely and then getting them down safely. It's like, how much faster can you run with a bag of groceries if you don't have to worry about cracking eggs inside the bag? Awkward, but uh, true. The idea here is that there are three possibilities. One, the most exciting, the tinfoil elephant in the room, is that there is some, there might be some kind of non-human built technology, whether it was discovered in the ancient past or like it landed here and then it was found and it's slowly being rolled out. 
Right. And that's by far the most out there. The second is that this stuff is a slow reveal of pre-existing entirely terrestrial technology uh, that the U.S. wants to keep secret or some other country wants, wants to keep secret. Makes total sense. So many old reports of UFOs later turned out to be spy planes that one country or another was working on. And then maybe the timing here is just sort of a soft opening or a signal to another country. Hey, look what we can do. Or, hey, we're on to you. And the third, that's really irritating to me because it's plausible, is the idea that there could be uh, repressed technology that the U.S. has possessed that could have made the world a better place in one way or another, and they've been intentionally limiting innovation due to the inevitable social disruption that could occur. Before we call that a conspiracy theory, I would like to draw our fellow listeners' attention to one of my longstanding nemeses and hobby horses, the 1952 Invention Secrecy Act, which not only allows the U.S. Patent Office to take possession of any patent that anyone makes if they feel it compromises national security, uh, it also allows them to put in a lifetime gag order, meaning that invention is essentially stolen or frozen, stolen from the inventor or frozen, and the inventor can never talk about it for the rest of their lives in any form or fashion, including written statements in memoirs, including deathbed confessions. This sounds like it's some crazy X-Files thing, but it really happens. We have kind of an idea of how many patents get squashed like this, but we have no idea what those patents are about. Right. It reminds me of a, there's a Kate Bush song called Cloud Busting that I think I've mentioned before because it was associated with Wilhelm Reich, who was a guy who claimed to have invented some kind of rainmaking machine. Uh, and in that video, Donald Sutherland plays a Wilhelm Reich-esque character. Uh, Kate Bush plays his young son, um, and it's and he invents this thing. And then at some point, the men in black, suits come after him there's a lyric in the song that says i will hide you from the government and it's all about like he's made this thing that's too big to be out there and it would ruin everything and so the g-men come for him and lock him in a room and, and little kate bush is crying and running after him um but yeah we also talk about like the idea of suppressed technology that maybe isn't so disruptive but we don't get it for many years right like surely you know the government has a flash drive that's like 50 terabytes but we're not going to get that <laughs> For a while, right? We, like It's always released a little at a time to the public sector once it's kind of, I don't know, been vetted, or I'm not sure how that works exactly, but do you know what I mean, you guys? Yeah, for sure. There's always that element, and we've discussed it before on this show. Um, it doesn't make strategic sense to release the cutting edge of your technology, even in the field if you're a military, to have it, let's say, in a tank or a, a flying vehicle that's just operating out in the open, right? doesn't make any sense because you don't have any kind of strategic advantage if everybody knows what you're doing. Even if they have no idea what it is, they can target that thing, whatever it is, shoot one down, reverse engineer, now you no longer have that advantage. Which is why the intelligence agencies of pretty much every government encourage really wackadoo UFO theories. Right? Because it makes a lot more sense if no, that was a that was a triangular quiet object that went over that we have no idea what it is rather than oh no that's the stealth helicopter that's going to be revealed in a couple of years when we you know assassinate Osama bin Laden allegedly. Right, stealth helicopters, right? That's that's one of the big moments of uh the US tech warriors really shit. 
the bed. Uh, stealth helicopters. They were not supposed to get caught in Islamabad, and they were certainly not supposed to be reverse engineered. That's happening now. To get back to the, uh, and I like the facts you're pointing out here, Matt, to get back to the Invention Secrecy Act and why everyone listening should be very concerned about this, the Federation of American Scientists found that Every year, there were 117 new secrecy orders imposed every single year, and an average of 23 older secrecy orders were rescinded, meaning the inventor could talk about it, meaning the, uh, the patent was allowed to officially exist again. That's just from 2013 to 2017. Think about how much stuff is out there. I'm not trying to pour cold water on the idea of alien technology, but I am highlighting and emphasizing, italicizing, bolding, underlining the fact that there is technology that can make the world a much better place or a much more dangerous place. Imagine if someone is fooling around and they figure out, you know, a way to build a microwave emitting or energy emitting weapon with basic publicly available components or even a nuclear powered device, which is super out there. I don't know if that really happens, but of course you wouldn't want that to get out on the internet. It's just a scary thing. It's very real. We're going to keep track of this story as it develops uh, to see whether it's a distraction, whether there's sand to it. It's probably an episode in the future. But that's something we want to leave with. And as you hear this, there will probably be more information coming out, or we hope so. If you're a fan of disclosure, if you think Uncle Sam is admitting to extraterrestrial or non-terrestrial craft, let us know and let us know why. Maybe Bob Lazar was right, is what uh, a lot of people are saying online. I don't want to belabor the point here at all, but this feels like a highly important announcement, and it was buried, as far as the timing goes, the, the way you were saying, Ben. It feels as though it was buried here. Also feels like something that was kind of admitted during one of these classified briefings that occurs with Senate, you know, like the Senate Intelligence Select Committee or whatever the name of it is, jumble some words together, that's the Select Committee. It feels like it was maybe leaked somewhere and that's why we're talking about it um hmm. and they had to just come out and speak publicly to it it feels very odd to me that all totally makes sense but i was saying the opposite at the beginning i was saying it was like a distraction from all the crazy stuff that's going on in the news but i see what you're saying and i completely see that side of it as well they maybe were trying to bury the lead a little bit with this one but i don't know it also feels like where's the evidence that their arm is being twisted here just that one video of the naval officers commenting on those those twisty turny little guys? No, that's an old story. We were talking about that three years ago. This is a whole new thing, and it feels like some. It feels like trying to get ahead of something to me. Yeah, I I completely agree. I think all three of us are posing valid points, and even if these may seem like uh, contradicting genres of conjecture, the fact of the matter is that we know something is happening, something is up. The question is, uh, what is the motivation for releasing it now, I think is what we're circling around. And what else will be on the way? Only time will tell at this point. So write to us, let us know. Hey, if you worked on one of these programs, uh, go ahead and share as much as you feel comfortable. We'd love to hear from you. Conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. We're going to take a break for a word from our sponsors. And assuming that we don't get abducted by aliens, we'll be back with more strange news. There's a lot happening these days. 
but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, Podcast producer? Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With their easy to use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a Job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 2424. Two four to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you solve the world's biggest mysteries or take on alien life. At least not the ones you're thinking of. But they can help take care of pesky invaders in your home. Like the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, and the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know true crime, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. And we're back. Oh, guys, I guess it's my turn. I guess I'm the weird meat in the middle of the sandwich, but not really as meaty as as either of the pieces of bread today. That's a very roundabout way of saying this story is sort of goofy and strange, uh, but pretty interesting and a good example of doing a bad job uh, at faking one's own death. That's obviously a huge source for a conspiracy and someone dies or mysteriously disappears uh, or maybe they're under suspicion or want to get away from it all, like a maybe a celebrity type figure, like an Elvis Presley, for example. The whole they fake their own death scenario always seems to get bandied around. But what happens if you, you fake your own death? Um, and, and mainly do an okay job, but there's a fatal flaw 
in your delivery. And that happened um, this past week. The Associated Press ran a story uh, with the headline, Man Fake Death to Avoid Jail, But Typo Gave Him Away. Um, and it's about a, a Long Island man named Robert Berger, 25 years old, his whole life ahead of him. Um, he got in trouble for uh, possessing a stolen car and attempted grand larceny of a truck. And I think he was maybe on the hook for about a year, a year and a half or so of prison time. But instead of just, you know, facing up to, to his uh, crimes, he and his girlfriend orchestrated uh, a seemingly pretty elaborate plot to make it look like he had taken his own life. Maybe that's a little easier to do now that you're, you know, doing these like virtual hearings because of coronavirus. But I don't know. It seems pretty risky to me, especially for, um, you know, something that would only have been about a year and a half in prison. And, you know, you can see the document that he submitted or that his girlfriend submitted through his attorney. And it looks legit, except for one little detail. So, you know, he was scheduled to be sentenced uh, to a year in jail in October of last year, but he, he fled the coop and uh, then worked with his girlfriend and she tried to convince his lawyer at the time, uh, the prosecutors and the judge that he had killed himself. Um, and then a uh, death certificate was produced. And it on first, you know, when you look at this document, it looks pretty legit. I mean, it looks, it's got all the, you know, notary kind of seals and the right border and all of that. But when you look a little closer, this document supposedly issued by the New Jersey Department of Health, Vital Statistics and Registry misspelled its own name. The word registry is, uh, is, is painfully spelled uh, registry, R-G-S-I-T-R-Y. Like in Gad we trust, or in God just, we thirst. Just so, just so. Um, and I don't know. The rest is history, or should I say, history. They found out that he was alive, um, and were were able to track him down and arrested him in suburban Philadelphia. And now this young man, with his whole life ahead of him, minus a year and a half or so for his crimes, is now looking at closer to a decade in prison for submitting false documents to uh, a legal body. Wow. Pseudocide. That's the word for it. It's an unsuccessful pseudocide attempt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Man, it, it does make you think about official documents like that. If you go to that AP um, story, you can actually see what it looks like and where the misspelling is and everything. And it really does look like a New Jersey death certificate. And it makes me wonder about the rest of the, you know, other major documents like that. Birth certificates, social security documents. It makes you think about how easy would it be to forge one of those? It's actually, I think, if you know the right people, it's easier to get a fake one than to get the real document sometimes. Anybody who's had to go through the rigmarole of getting an original birth certificate or getting a replacement social security card, uh, you can see the system is obtuse, Byzantine, and often outdated and anachronistic. Like, it's a it's a relic from a different time, man. Uh, I think part of that is on purpose from starve the beast tactics of people in government. Um, but you're right. You know, we talked about this before. The U.S. is actually... If you ditch your cell phone, depending on how you support yourself, the U.S. is not the most difficult place in the world to disappear off the grid. The problem with 
faking your death is if you want to successfully fake your death, you have to treat it as though you have really died. No coming back to talk to your friends. Uh, no contact with your kids or your loved ones. You have to burn every bridge. Uh, most of the time, people who get caught for pseudocide are getting caught because they keep some link of some sort to their old life. Or, you know, as we talked about before, because they try to get the money from life insurance or something like that. I don't know. I don't know, man, but it, that, he's going to have 10 years to think about it, right, Noel? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the uh, Nassau County District Attorney, Madeline Singas, had this to say about the case, and she's just kind of flabbergasted. Uh, she says, it will never cease to amaze me the length some people will go to to avoid being held accountable on criminal charges. And this is me, no matter how small. I mean, yeah, I, look, if I was up for a year and a half in prison, that's a big deal. Don't get me wrong. That would suck. That realization would mess with me. Uh, I would be absolutely terrified. But do I think I could get it? Think about the commitment in having to fake your own death, Ben, to your point. Like to, to really, like just to dodge a year and a half, you're going to what? Commit to being completely off the grid for the rest of your life? Commit to having a completely assumed identity and, and think that you're going to be successful in this? I mean, th this young man does seem to, uh, looking deeper into this, and, and also his uh, public defender who spoke in some interviews that I, that I saw, possibly have some, some psychological problems to contend with to believe that this was an appropriate, uh, you know, alternative, right? Well, you know, in all fairness, if we want to be objective about this, I feel it's important to point out that not everyone who attempts pseudocide is doing it because they're a criminal or doing it because they're a bad person. There's a domestic violence crisis, a long-standing multi-generational abuse crisis throughout the known world. And Oftentimes, people who are trapped in abusive relationships, well, I don't want to say often, but, you know, it's its not as rare as you think for someone trapped in an abusive relationship to do their best to burn every bridge, escape that, go somewhere else and start a new life uh, free from a monster, you know, in human flesh. I think that's something we need to admit. I, I, you know, there are films about it, like Sleeping with the Enemy and so on, but those works of fiction do come from a place of truth. Uh, I, I'm just saying we shouldn't assume, even if they're technically breaking some laws by committing suicide, we should not assume that everyone doing it is a criminal. Yeah, they're generally working, you know, somebody like that is generally working with, you know, an organization that's going to help uh, do that kind of thing. It's not the same. That scenario is more akin to a, a witness protection program with a lot of agencies that will work with uh, people in abusive relationships, both men and women. Well, and that would be basically legal, right? I mean, you you can, you know, if you're going into witness protection, there's nothing skirting the law about that and creating a new identity and all that. This is submitting false documents to, you know, a court of law, which is forgery and also fraud. I, I did want to add that his public defender was also interviewed, and a name I'm not seeing for some reason right now, but you can definitely see him in a uh, local New York Channel 4 
piece about this. He was actually freaked out that he was going to be held up as a, uh, an accomplice in this, uh, even though he was, you know, according to him anyway, just sort of a patsy. You know, he was the go-between. He was the one who d- delivered this document to the court. Uh, but it looks like he, he's not going to be in trouble for that. Um, and Mr. Berger's new hearing is in a couple of days from when we record this today. Uh, it's July 27th. He will be in court again to answer for these charges on July 29th. You know, what's what's so fascinating about this is there is a way to legally kind of fake your death. It's, it's a very narrow window. Uh, there's an excellent book about this uh, called Playing Dead, A Journey Through the World of Death Fraud. We read this a number of years ago, and we still never interviewed the author. But the catch is, it's not inherently illegal to fake your death. A lot of the steps people take to fake their deaths do, to your point, Noel, become illegal, like fraud, submitting a fraudulent document to the government. Uh, If you fake your death and you get a library card under a different name, that's also fraud. The way to fake your death legally, I can't believe I'm saying this, don't take this out of context, folks, way to fake your death legally is to disappear for long enough that someone else declares you legally dead and then just never contradict them. For the rest of your life, you have to live a very modest, very low-key lifestyle. Honestly, a lot of people probably aren't ready for it. That's what happened with Carol Baskin's husband from the Tiger King documentary. She was pushing for him to be declared legally dead so she could be his heir and inherit his assets, but he was not declared legally dead until he was missing for a a long enough time um, because they never found the body because she fed it to her tigers. Just kidding. I don't know. That's what the internet thinks. Nice. The other thing there to think about is uh, escaping debts. Like if you're if you're faking your own death to escape a massive debt, um, I can imagine that could be a problematic for you. <laughs> Isn't necessarily fraud. I'm not sure what the legal action or term would be faking one's death to escape a debt. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I imagine that that's probably happened before. <laughs> Death to debts. That's what I say. Hashtag death to debts, especially student loan debt. It's wrecking uh, an entire generation. I would say the effects of it long term are going to be almost as significant as the long term effects of China's infamous one child policy back in the day. We don't know what's going to happen, but uh, I do want to point out there is an entire industry of vultures who will go to the relatives of someone who just died if they have student loan debt and try to convince them they have to pay for it. If you have federal government loans and you die, they are not someone else's responsibility. Uh, those people are vultures. They're unclean. So it's totally unrelated. Sorry, guys. Okay. Sorry. No, no, I just, I, I feel like, I, I feel like it's understandable. I'm not condoning faking one's death, but I feel like there are understandable circumstances in which one would need to do so. And to be brought low by something as small as a typo, it turns out our, our grammar teachers were correct. You need to spell check more, more than we probably should. This podcast is brought to you by Grammarly. Are you trying to fake your death and need a uh, plausible looking death certificate? Why not run it through Grammarly before you send it on to your legal representation? This episode of Stuff They Don't Want You Know is actually not sponsored by Grammarly, but call us. <laughs> so, Noel, this guy's going to be 35, 36 
I guess if if he get is he been convicted of this? He, well, yeah, no, I, I guess not. I mean, he's uh, like I said, he's he's going to be in court in a couple of days um, for this these to answer to these new crimes, which are way way worse than uh, copping a Lexus and attempting to steal a truck. I, I don't even have the details about that. I just said something to the effect of attempted grand larceny. Um, was looking at about a year and a half in the clink, and now he's looking at 10 years. So he'll be uh, around our age, or my age anyway, when he gets out. Um, that's a bummer. I, I hate that this happened to him, but it, it really was an example of cutting your nose off to spite don't, your face. Don't don't feel too bad for him. He was facing charges for stealing cars. Yeah. Grand larceny is just, uh, nomenclature-wise, one of my favorite criminal phrases because it, it means stealing something above a legally specified amount. So there's just regular larceny, and then there's like larceny deluxe or supersized larceny. Uh, it's also, it can be charged as a misdemeanor or a felony. So to your point, he uh, he gambled. He gambled hard. He didn't use spell check for one reason or another, probably because he's under a lot of personal stress, I guess. And then uh, instead of one year, he got nine. Also, I have another theory. Photoshop doesn't have very good spell check, you guys. If you're just typing in text into Photoshop, it doesn't automatically give you red text if you mess up. So I would always, uh, if you're forging documents out there, kids, I would always copy and paste your text from a Word document into Photoshop first. A pro tip. Yes, yes. And always CC someone at the Office of the Interior when you're going to be sending out emails about how you're uh, forging documents. I think there were some other inconsistencies too, actually, you guys, and it had to do with more Photoshop-y type stuff. It was inconsistencies in font sizes, um, which, again, that's just sloppy Photoshop work right there. You got you to gotta have consistency in your font sizes if you want it to look like it's legit. And, and back to what you guys were talking about earlier, I just want to finish up with this. We still probably have a couple seconds left in the segment, but it is kind of crazy that we rely on paper anything and that someone could jam me up because I don't have a physical copy of my social security card when there's all this information digitally that, you know, that they can indicate who I am. And yet there are some folks, whether it's for a job or whether it's for whatever it is, they need to see a copy of that thing. And it can just be a scan. You know, it's not like they have to hold it in their hand, you know. That's not always true. Some of the most important things, you you need a notarized version where a physical person had a physical copy, checked that copy, looked at you, looked at your other papers, and then signed that it's legit before any kind of transaction can occur. And, you know, I would just argue that I think it's absolutely vital, speaking of vital records uh, and registries, I think it's vital that there is a physical copy that has some kind of security on that piece of paper or whatever document it is that can prove that this is an actual thing because with the digitization of all of these vital records you're talking about photoshop but there are hundreds probably thousands of different applications that you could open up something like this or start a new one or alter one and you know not only steal someone's identity but you could you could do a lot of nefarious things with with a digital copy of something like that. It's a good it's a good point you make, Matt. No, it's a very good point. Uh, maybe that level of old schoolness is that it still serves a functional purpose in our society, um, and it would be kind of a bummer to completely like the same same thing goes along with cashless economy, right? Do you or do you not want that receipt when you go and vote? Like we just were talking about that on an episode where when you vote now you get a receipt essentially you get a paper ballot from your electronic interaction with a voting machine. It feels like 
you want that. I want that. Um, it's an important record keeping part of the whole system, I think. But it is a dinosaur. I agree. <laughs> but a necessary dinosaur. That's right. All right. Well, that's about enough of that. Let's uh, have another quick sponsor break, and then we'll be back with more strange news. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, tempt to hire part time or full time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop. Podcast producer? Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With their easy to use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a Job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 2424. Two four to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you solve the world's biggest mysteries or take on alien life. At least not the ones you're thinking of. But they can help take care of pesky invaders in your home. Like the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, and the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know true crime, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay, we're back. And this story is essentially dovetailing off of uh, Noel's tale there of forging documents. This one, however, takes us to, well, it doesn't take us here. We're going to Topeka, Kansas for the story from WIBW. That's a local CBS affiliate there. It's Channel 13. They have a story called Man Using Prosthetic Masks 
to steal $100,000 from casinos arrested by Prairie Band Potawatomi Tribal Police. And that that headline, just alone, uh, is is odd, and it sounds odd, and you may have a picture in your mind of someone just like you, like us, going out into the world right now in this time of COVID and wearing a, a mask on your face. That's what we do. That's what we're supposed to do. To get into a lot of stores, you have to have one. And it would be smart for you to wear one right now. I'm just saying that. I'm not a medical professional, but uh, I think it would be smart. <laughs> um, no, that is not at all what's happening. We are talking about a full-on CIA-level MI6 prosthetic mask that looks human. It looks like skin. It is incredible. There are pictures on this article. I don't know if you guys have the article up. Oh, yeah. Look at it right now. It looks kind of like Ed Asner. A bit like Ed Asner. Yeah. Reminds me, um, for some reason, a bit of Breaking Bad. It's it's a bald mask, uh, older Caucasian male, very wrinkly face. Uh, He's wearing glasses. And this is a full-on prosthetic mask that this person was wearing. Here, here's where it gets crazy, I guess. So, this mask. The guy would wear it and go into casinos and go to the teller machines, or rather the, the ATMs, essentially, within uh, casinos, and he would take out tons of money. We're talking about $20,000 at one time over the course of several transactions with several different accounts, but in one sitting at a casino, he would take out $20,000. Here's why it's really crazy. He is pulling that from multiple bank accounts, from multiple people whose identification and information he has at some point allegedly taken from the internet or gotten from the internet or paid for in some way over over the internet and then has created false identity false papers, like um, driver's licenses, essentially, for a lot of the people that he was he was taking money from. He would go into these casinos, use that fake identification, because you have to actually scan an ID when you're pulling money out at a lot of these as an extra security measure. So not only does he have a fake credit card or a copy of a credit card, a fake ID that has the correct information and is scannable, he's got all of that stuff while wearing a mask that is CIA level. I don't know. This, this story in itself is pretty incredible that this guy went to those lengths to do that. And he must've been making plenty of money. Mm -hmm. This is interesting because I think a lot of people maybe just saw game of Thrones or something in the mission impossible franchise, or perhaps uh, if you are a native of the Southeastern United States, you saw a, uh, Six Flags commercial, Once Upon a Time, with a very animated uh, dancer made to look like an old man, uh, convincingly so. The thing is, this technology is not only out there, it's been here for a very, very long time. What this guy is wearing, without being an expert, looks to me like what the company, the CIA, calls a semi-animated mask. A semi-animated mask, as long as you don't have the wrong kind of lighting, a semi-animated mask will allow you a pretty good range of convincing facial expression. The only thing you can't really do convincingly with a semi-animated mask is laugh because then it will, uh, you'll see the kind of uncanny valley aspects of it. Uh, also, this technology 
it's, it's amazing. It's the reason this guy is dressing like an old person is because of the wrinkles. It's easier to make someone look old. You can hide some of the articulation points. Uh, there's a great interview uh, or a number of great interviews with Jonah Mendez. Her job at the CIA was entirely to make these kind of disguises. Uh, I am not at all surprised that the technology is out there with a civilian. But you got to say, even though the guy's a criminal and he got caught, so he's ultimately unsuccessful, I got to respect the hustle. He knew what he was doing. Uh, do we know how he got caught, Matt? Oh, yeah. Okay. So I'm going to read again from this article from WIBW. Uh, it was written by Grant Stevens, published on July 26th of this year. Uh, I'm just going to read some of this. It's pretty great reporting, and <laughs> it's kind of exciting. Okay, and just a quick background here. This guy had been doing this for a while. The MGM Grand Casino is the place that originally identified that something was happening. They found at least 10 victims of identity theft that had lost approximately $100,000 in late April to late May of last year. Okay, so they know something's going on. They're checking their tapes. They're looking back. They see something is going on that's strange. This guy looks strange. He's taking out all this money for sure. It's very weird. But then eventually the Prairie Band Potoatomi Tribal Police, they caught this guy in action. And this is how it went down. So the employees there at the casino, they're watching surveillance video. They see that somebody is looking a little weird. An elderly white man is looking weird. He's got on a straw hat, glasses. He's using a mobility walker. And they see him going around and withdraw around 20K from various kiosks. So $20,000 from various kiosks. They go and approach the man and they ask for his social security number, a little more information about him because they're watching him take out all this cash, right? And he went to the restroom. This guy immediately goes, uh, nope, I'm going to go to the bathroom. A different person walked out of the bathroom and they noticed that that person had a noticeable bulge down the front of their pants. Um, so they assumed, I guess, that it was the mask and they went in, they checked the restroom. They found a bunch of clothes, the mobility walker that this guy was using, a key to a Nissan, two different Michigan driver's licenses, and about 11 grand in cash just sitting there in the bathroom after this elderly white man walked in and a different person walked out. Here's the thing. On the back of those driver's licenses, there were social security numbers and telephone numbers and some other information written on the backs on sticky notes. So this guy obviously had numerous IDs like this where he could just pull all that information from when he's going to a kiosk or an ATM and pulling money out, right? They go to his car. They found four more prosthetic masks. They found flash drives full of stuff, uh, books on how to get away with crime. That's a quote from the article there. <laughs> um, probably a lot of the information that he had stolen from people. They found ID cards, all kinds of receipts from different kiosks. And, you know, you just realize that this guy had been doing this for a long time and he had been really successful because they, they found 83 driver's licenses, 14 insurance cards in different names, 19 player cards from a bunch of different casinos, two ID cards from staff at Birmingham University, and a social security card under a different name. That is insane to me, the level of sophistication of this guy's operation. And I would love to know more about how long this guy's been doing it. And 
this is what I'm hoping that he's going to be able to write a book or tell his story in a movie, but he won't be able to make any money on it, but we'll at least be able to know the full, the full context. Have you both seen the movie good time uh, with Robert Pattinson? It was the precursor to uncut gems by the softy brothers. No, it's very good, but there's a particular scene at the very beginning of the movie where um, one of the softy brothers who plays a character in the movie plays Robert Pattinson's brother. They rob a bank using these types of masks, probably slightly less advanced versions, but pretty, pretty convincing, but definitely not, not that level of articulation. And I was thinking about it. I think the way you get that articulation is these are actually applied with like spirit gum directly to the face. It's not just like a pullover mask. So, you know, it has to be directly on the skin for that articulation to even happen. So this, you know, he would have had to have a little bit of of know-how to even uh, to pull this off. One thing he did that is uh, pretty intelligent, going back to that real world example uh, from Jonah Mendez, who has a a fantastic uh, Reddit AMA about this. Uh, is that the mask itself is not enough. Just like verbalization is maybe 40% of communication, a mask or your face is is a large percentage of a disguise, but it is by no means the silver bullet. If you really want to blend in somewhere and become someone else, uh, you have to, as they say, do as the Romans do. Uh, If you are an American, for instance, I think everybody has done that. Well, I assume everybody has done this at some point when traveling internationally. Like when I was homeless in Paris for a while, I did. I figured out how to like sort of look French when I'm just walking around. Uh, and and they're very small things. Like you don't like Americans. This is from the CIA. Uh, U.S. residents tend to when we're standing favor one leg or the other. And that's why it was so clever for this guy to use a walker, right? He used a walker, Matt, and he, he was disguising his typical gait, uh, which is kind of a gamble. I think that's risky, and it's brave as hell because using a walker is going to get so many eyes on you, right? So I bet, you know what? I bet he practiced. I bet he practiced at home uh, extensively. That's you know, I don't know. I'm fascinated with this. I agree with you. It would make for a fantastic film. Yeah. Yes, Ben. Everyone has attempted to become French while traveling abroad in France. (laughs) I was trying to imagine, I've never been, but I can totally imagine, you know what? I know exactly what that's like, because even if I'm going to, let's say, New York City or something, I want to attempt to look like I'm from there and not just look like somebody coming in from Georgia or wherever. Yeah, I think that's an important skill to be able to have, but it it doesn't come easy. So I would, I don't know, I, I think that's a good skill to train yourself in, maybe. And this guy, this guy did not have help or willing help from the CIA as far as we know. <laughs> no. Wait, are you saying you did have help from the no, CIA? No, 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 no. <laughs> okay. It, it shows you what a little research can do. I'm wondering, though, just to underline, by the way, pretty sure we said this, but this was not a Vegas crime, right? No, this occurred or he was caught at the Prairie Band Casino and Resort in Mayetta, Kansas. That's where he was picked up. And then a lot of the other stuff occurred in, I believe it was in Michigan, where the, what was it, the MGM Grand was, where he had done his previous work. So he was smart enough to try to not consistently keep hitting the same place. I wonder what the other four masks look like. I know, I think you had shared with us an article that has a picture of some of his alternate things. They're variations upon a theme, right? Yes, exactly. Sometimes he's got a hat on, almost always a windbreaker, because, you know, 
Got to have a windbreaker. Got to break the wind. <laughs> um, and the glasses are are important. They really do seem to sell it pretty well. He also there's you know he he had variations too. Like there's one where he's wearing like a knit cap, which I appreciate. Kind of humanizes the whole look a little bit because it fits. It all fits pretty well. Like there's nothing about it that looks too floppy. And I doubt that he he's kind of. I think the fact that he's old too. Most people wouldn't you know necessarily give him a second look. There's a lot of old people at casinos. And uh, he's he's not dealing with a human being most of the time, right? Yeah, he's he's dealing with what is it called? The global payments gaming services. That's all he's doing. They're ATMs. You know, one last thing I want to hit here. This guy couldn't have gotten away with any of what he did. You know, stealing hundreds of thousands of dollars potentially. Uh, that stuff we don't know about yet. Um, couldn't have gotten away with any of that if he didn't have access to individuals' personal identification. And he got it somehow because there are leaks all over the place that occur because there are exploits in different pieces of software, maybe just a website, wherever, you know, important information is encrypted and stored. There are other people constantly trying to get in and get that information. Successfully getting in. That's right. And we see it happening more and more. It's just a reminder, I think, to all of us to be absolutely as vigilant as you possibly can with where you put in your vital information, because you can't always control where it's stored or if it's sold, you know, to a third party by someone, but do everything you can on your side to make sure you've got two-step verification for absolutely everything that's important and uh, just protect yourself. Don't reuse passwords for the love of God. And have some, you know, alphanumeric uh, characters in them. Change it up a little bit, you know? Or use one of those password wallet things. I know there's one Jonathan Strickland always talked about using, but I'm forgetting the name of it now. But, yeah, you, they basically, you have a master password, and then they generate, like, a safe, you know, super strong security password through an algorithm for you. And then you just use the app and enter your master password. But... God forbid someone gets your master password, and then I guess they could hack that. So who knows, man? Uh, but to your point, I guess just be safe is the biggest takeaway here. And somebody could just get in my modem right now, and there's nothing I could do. They'd have everything. So, yeehaw. Let's live dangerously, boys. And on that note, I think I could speak for all of us when I say we are excited to hear from you. Have you faked your death? Have you faked someone else's death? Have you lived a life under a different alias for one reason or another, whether recreation or necessity, in some other part of the world? Whether that's a different city in the same country, whether that's a different country, whether it's for, you know, 14 years or for six hours at the airport. I don't want to disclose too much, but I have always imagined there are many, many of you out there. Uh, and then, of course, let us know. Disclosure? Is it coming from Uncle Sam? Is this uh, yet another distraction? And if so, what is it meant to distract us from? We want to hear from you. Thank you for tuning in. As always, you can find us all over the internet. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. Our Twitter is actually pretty good resource. We, we hear a lot of strange stuff on that, so do check it out. Uh, if you are Facebook inclined, visit us at one of the best Facebook community pages, Here's where it gets crazy. 
I've been keeping a promise to myself to be a little more active in it and just keeping an eye on it. And man, it's almost like there's more posts coming in than we know how to shake a stick at. Uh, so I think we've all been popping in there a little more frequently lately as well. So all you got to do to get in there is name one or two or all three or or any either of our super producers and, and you're in. Uh, you're in like Flynn or just say something that indicates, you know, what the show is or to make Ben laugh. Bonus points. If you mention Alexis Jackson, she's if you dude, if you mention Alexis Jackson, you're going to get bonus points and you're going to get nothing for free. But we'll, we'll think you're cool. OK, Whoa, <laughs> uh, real quick, real quick. What about Alexis the Nexus Jackson? Kind of like allegedly, next. but I, I feel like we should keep all our options open at this point. And Alexis is uh, with us all today. Maybe we'll get maybe we'll get uh, some insight from Super Producer Alexis on on personal preferences for nicknames at some point. Love it. If you'd like to tell us one of those, or you know, tell us about your UFO uh, experience or your abduction experience into a UFO, maybe you've had one of those. Maybe you've worked. Like Ben said earlier in the episode for one of these programs and you're ready to tell somebody about it, you can reach out to us pretty securely. There are ways to make your phone number anonymous. You can do that and you can call our number. It is 1-833-STDWYTK. Seriously, find a way to do it. They're out there. Just give it a quick look up wherever you are. Give us a call anonymously at that number and tell us the information that we've all been waiting to hear. Disclose to us. We're here for it. We will talk about it. Guaranteed. If you don't want to do any of that stuff, you don't like social media, you don't like telephones, you don't want to touch physical... Well, you still... No, you could, you could probably do this wirelessly. One of those smart speakers. You can send us a good old-fashioned email. We are... Conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals, your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota.
Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax. Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com.